following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Some of you guys may know of the name Dan Rather. Uh, Dan Rather is a famous news commentator and um, personality. He, um, he used to box when he was in high school. He was involved in boxing. And uh, famous news anchor Dan Rather, who is always fascinated with the sport of boxing, he boxed in high school, but he wasn't very good at it. Rather said his coach's greatest goal was to teach his boxers that they absolutely, positively, without question, had to be get-up fighters. In life, we're in the ring, and if you get knocked down, you have to be able to get back up again. And rather also concluded that as a fighter, sometimes the only thing making you get back up again is someone yelling in your corner, get up, get up. And this morning, I want to be that guy. I want to be the guy in your corner saying, get up, come on, get back up again, get back in this fight. The Bible says, fight the good fight, talking of Christians that were running a race And we need to sometimes yell in others' corners saying, come on, get back up again. You saw it in the Rocky movies, right? Rocky's down and, you know, he's not winning. (laughs) He's not stronger. He's not doing better. But his coach is, is saying, get back up again. And then Rocky looks out and sees Adrian. Remember? And just seeing Adrian's like, come on, Rock, you can do it. And Rocky gets back up again. Why? Because someone is yelling in his corner. I want to be the one yelling in your corner this morning. God is for you. He is not against you. Maybe you feel like you've been a boxer. You've been knocked around a little bit. Maybe you feel like a bumper car. You've hit some walls. Maybe you've been through some things in life. God is saying, get back up again and run this race. It's all about resilience. Could you say that word with me? Resilience? Resilience. Resilience is, by definition, the capacity to withstand stress and catastrophe. Stress and catastrophe. And you and I, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, go through this life. We have the years before we came to faith, and we have the years now. And all of these years have an effect on us where we are challenged with, with, with moving forward because we've taken some shots or we've been through some setbacks and maybe like a boxer seeing some stars once in a while. And I believe the Spirit of God is saying, get back up again, I am for you. If God is for you, who can be against you? Get back up again. The only fighters who ever win are the ones who get back up again. The only runners who ever win are the ones who don't pull over in a marathon and stay pulled over. They get back in and they start running again. Resilience, the capacity to withstand stress and catastrophe. Now, resilience is not something that we're born with. It's something that we are committed to. It's a process that you and I have to be committed to. It's not like some person is born with this amazing resilience and the other person's not you can have two siblings in the same home go through the same experiences the same anything they could even be like identical twins but one of them might choose you know what i am going to overcome and god is with me and i'm going to get through this and others can pull over and kind of be a victim and not move forward the difference is resilience it's not something you're born with 
something you're committed to. And as we go through this uh, book of 1 Peter, in fact, if you have your Bible, you can open to 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to talk about resilience this morning. We're in a series called Engaging. Uh, engaging and uh, almost like the gears in a car going through the four or five gears. We're going through these chapters uh, in First Peter and, and like driving a stick shift, you have to be fully engaged in gear and I think God wants us engaged in all aspects. This uh, morning, we're going to be looking at this through the lens of resilience, how we can engage resilience. Um, before I do, I want to read this quote from Arthur uh, Uh, author Gordon MacDonald, who wrote a book on resilience, and he writes, why is it that some people finish what they start, persevere in moments of adversity, push themselves in the direction of their potential, and often make their greatest contributions in the later half of life? The key element in those who don't quit is resilience. And those who have it have gathered all the lessons from life both successes and failures to build a foundation of strength and character. He's saying even if they fell back or took a shot, they took all those experiences and leveraged them to move forward and build character. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, just you guys know the chapter, it's a hall of fame or hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 lifts, lists all the heroes of the Bible all the people that were just absolute heroes who, who will go down in history of having the most profound level of faith. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, when you look at the stories of all the people listed in Hebrews 11, it's not that they just had faith. They had profound resilience. They had amazing resilience. It's not like life was paved out for them and God chose them and they walked above the ground and everything. They had to walk through some stuff. They had to go through some setbacks They had to learn how to get back up again and again and again. And because they did, and they continued to walk in faith and get back up and walk in faith and get back up and walk in faith, because of that, God continued to bless their path. They were people who knew how to engage resilience. So let's look at 1 Peter. We're going to start chapter 3, verse 8 through 22. We'll take this in sections. And it starts out picking up where we left off last week. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because this, to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. The first thing he's talking about here for resilient people, for Christians, for the family of believers, is to be like-minded. Now, this is really important, guys. If we're not like-minded, we're not going to finish well. Like-minded matters a lot. Um, Being like-minded doesn't mean we all agree on everything, but it does mean we agree on the main things. Being like-minded is so important. It's important in in a church, in a ministry. It's important in a marriage. It's important on a team. To be like-minded for the glory of God, for the cause of Christ, being like-minded. And so if you're a note-taker this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at four key things on how you and I engage resilience. And the first one is to to be like-minded, keeping the main things, the main things. Keeping the main things, the main things. You got to keep the main thing, the main thing. 
And what happens oftentimes is things that are not the main thing, optional things, preferences, opinions, people can take those sometimes and try to make them into the main thing. And that's always going to be a disruption. It's always going to be someone's going to get tripped up on that. Someone's going to fall down on this race in life, this Christian race that we're, we're running um, as sons of God, as children of God, as believers, as followers of Christ, we got to keep the main things, the main things. And that's how we stay like-minded. The calling of God, the word of God, the ways of the spirit. When it's the word and the spirit, that's the main things. But it's very easy sometimes for any of us to find an area of our own personal passion, our own personal opinion, our own personal persuasion and try to make that a main thing. And we can't let the non-essentials be the absolute essentials. It would kind of be like this if you were going to go off to college and you were going to pick a major and you decided the most important topic that you can pick is underwater basket weaving. Going underwater and weaving baskets. That is a minor, and if you like to weave baskets and we want to learn how to do it, that's great, but why would we ever take something like that and make it a major? Does that make sense? And when you and I take any of our little opinions or ideas or suggestions and we impose it on others around us, we're trying to run this resilient life, or they're imposing them, we're not keeping the main things the main things, and that's really a tough way for people to run the race to win He's starting out, Peter, be like-minded, be like-minded. The only way we can be like-minded when the church is full of people with different personalities and different giftings and different callings, the only way we can be like-minded is keeping the main things the main things. And so that's really, really important. Don't get stuck on preferences or opinions. We can't be resilient that way. Uh, There are some that have kind of gone off track because an opinion or a preference was so important to them uh, that they stopped moving forward with resilience and and we don't want to get stuck there. Um, It also says to be humble, sympathetic, compassionate, and love one another. I want to start with the first one, humble, be humble. The only way you and I can be resilient in life and continue to press on, spiritually speaking, in the kingdom of God, is if we are humble. The Bible says pride comes before the fall, right? You guys know that one? Pride comes before the fall. And God is so opposed to pride. In fact, the Bible says he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That if we humble ourselves in his sight, he lifts us up, but he opposes the proud. There's something about pride and there being no place for it in God's kingdom. And when it rises up in us in any way, God has to deal with it or work it out of us somehow because he wants us to move on successfully, spiritually, victoriously, and we can't move on with resilience, with pride. So when he's talking about being humble, that is so, so, so important. In fact, when it says be humble, sympathetic, compassionate, and love one another, We can't be sympathetic, compassionate, and loving if we're not humble. Humility does those things. Pride does not do those things. 
And one thing you will notice, because God loves us so much, and God disciplines those he loves, and God tests us in life. We go through these different tests in life where God is testing us and working things out of our life. There's a sanctification process the Bible refers to um, where where we're being um, renewed, renewing our mind. We're being transformed. We're being conformed into his image. We're going through this process. And along these processes, God has a way, he has ways of removing pride from our lives. Have you guys ever been through a process where God humbled you? Okay, more honesty in the room, amen. Um, God humbled you and me in a way because that's what it took to remove pride from the equation. This is really, really important. The devil was cast down, the Bible tells us, because pride was found in him. No resilience in his future. But for you and I to be resilient in God's kingdom and his ways, according to his word and his spirit, humility is a major, major factor. It it drives so much of everything. In fact, humility acts a certain way and pride will not act a certain way. The way we act and the way we react, act and react, is based either on humility or pride the way we act or react. And I'll just tell you, if you're growing in Christ as a Christ follower, following Jesus and trying to walk in the ways of the word and of the spirit, the Lord is telling us this morning to learn how to act and not react. Learn how to act and not react because the flesh reacts very quickly. The spirit doesn't react, the spirit acts. The spirit acts. The spirit of God knows all things, searches all things, will lead us, will guide us, will comfort us. But sometimes things happen and we're quick to react, just a quick reaction. And, you know, if we're going to be resilient people, if we're going to finish well, we want to be these kind of people who don't just react and react to things. Um, You know, I have five little children and I'm discipling them all the time, right? If you're going to make disciples, you got to start at home. And you start with these little hearts and minds and you're trying to form them and shape them. And... One of the lessons in discipleship with a child is to think about it, wait a second, and then respond, rather than not just quickly responding. And that is so, so important. Many people will just react, even as adults, even as Christian adults, will react instead of acting. I would suggest that the flesh reacts very, very quickly. The Spirit of God, our thoughts and actions are more tempered. Uh, And this is really, really important. So um, the way we act and react really is driven by humility or pride. In humility, we can wait. We can pray. We can respond according to the Spirit. But out of pride, we project and we just kind of respond quickly. So second point this morning, if you're a note taker, is that humility is the key to acting and not reacting If you are going to be resilient, if you're going to finish well, and God is calling all of you, by the way, in this room, like the story of the boxers, to be a champion. God is calling all of you in this room as his sons and daughters to be an overcomer. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. This is how God sees you. We need to see ourselves as God sees us, as victorious sons and daughters of the Most High God. God sees you as one of these potential heroes of the faith that are written in Hebrews chapter 11, that by faith, Abraham this, and by faith, all these people, by faith, by faith, and 
faith and resilience, they went through all kinds of things. And even when they got knocked down, they, they got back up again. God sees you as one of those heroes and says, get back up, keep coming. And I'll be honest with you, the way we act or react can be one of those things that knock us right down. Knock us right down, get us off track and we're out of the race and we're pulled over because of that. The Bible says pride comes before the fall. There were many running a good race and pride somehow rose up and took precedent and and people pulled over. So humility, guys, humility uh, is the key to acting and not reacting. And so this passage also talks about, when it talks about our reacting, it talks about how you and I handle harm. How do you and I handle harm? How do we handle hurt when someone hurts you? When someone says something they shouldn't have said to you? When someone does something they should not have done to you? When something happened to you that you didn't deserve? What about that kind of action or reaction? The passage is talking about that and it says, don't repay evil for evil. Now that's interesting. It's talking about repaying Even in little children, and I see this with kids all the time, if somebody pushes them, they they immediately think of repaying. Oh, yeah. And repaying, it's like hardwired. Repay, like this happened. Oh, yeah. Boom. And sometimes as we grow up, we don't grow out of that repaying thing. The Bible is saying, do not repay evil for evil. But I think we tend to have our own justice system sometimes, personally, in our mind, and we kind of think of how people should be repaid. Now, this can come up regularly. In fact, it came up in my life just yesterday. I was driving down the road. I had my children in the car, and we had our little dog with us, and we're driving down Roscoe, and all of a sudden, somebody looked right at us. The speed limit's 40, and we're driving down Roscoe, and this guy just pulled out slow and basically stopped anyway. And so we hit the brakes. We had our seatbelts on. The poor dog went flying. And this guy just didn't care. He saw us the whole time. And I thought to myself, that is bad driving right there. Kids, when you drive, don't ever do that. Well, a few moments later, we're up on the on-ramp and on the freeway. I look in my rearview mirror, and that same guy is behind me. Now, I had this idea for a moment. I had this idea for a moment. What if I just slowed down a little bit on the freeway so we can help people become better drivers? And I know what you mean. Have you guys ever done that? Helped people become a coach them a little bit? Like you're the driving ed coach, right? So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. God reminded me, don't repay evil for evil. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. I proceeded to change lanes and just forget that guy. I don't know what he's going through. I have no idea what he's thinking. I think he was on his phone. He was hitting the bumps on the freeway left and right. I don't know what he was up to. I have no idea. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Like the song my daughter sings all the time. Let it go. Um, But we can't repay evil for evil. Now, this comes up in our lives all the time. Stuff comes up, and we're tempted We're tempted to repay. Why? Because we feel, we have a conviction that others deserve Deserve, not in a bad way. They simply deserve the consequences of their actions. That is not up to us. That is up to God. And if we're going to grow and we're going to be overcoming Christians, if we're going to be the kind of sons and daughters of God that are hearers of the faith, that are resilient, 
We have to be the kind of ones that don't need to repay evil for evil. And so how you and I handle harm when things are done to us matters monumentally. It is profoundly important for our success and our victory spiritually, walking with Jesus, being an overcomer, growing, being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not repaying evil with evil, not seeking revenge. See, when resilience is being done, when we're walking out a life of resilience, when things happen to us, we don't get bitter, we get better. We don't get bitter, we get better because God is forming our character in some of these things. And again, pride will have us act one way. In fact, pride will have us react one way. Humility will have us act a completely different way. And this is why it's so key to our resilience, our process. Uh, in 2 Samuel 16, we talked about this with the men on Wednesday night, there is this scene, this wild scene. Now you think of David, little boy David, going up against this giant who everyone in all of Israel was scared to death. You had 10,000 soldiers literally shaking in their armor. You can hear the sound of armor shaking with this giant saying, who will fight me? Come out and fight me. Are you all afraid? And everyone's shaking in their armor. You can hear the sound. And David's like, what are you guys, crazy? He's defying the living God. He can't do this. I'll go out and fight him. And the and giant goes, you're going to come to me with sticks and, like I'm a dog? You're going to in stones like I'm some dog? He's like, no, but God is going to defeat you today, not me. Watch this. And he goes out there, whoo, 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 takes down this giant. Israel's history changes in that moment. Now, David had to think, that was kind of cool. It's kind of cool taking out a giant. Everybody else was rah, rah, David the giant slayer. And, but, but later on in his life, David's got to get humbled and he's living in caves, running for his life for a season. We might think that's no life for a king. He's supposed to be the king. He doesn't deserve that. He slayed a giant. God's like, I'm working some things out in here. I got to work out some things in him through this process of resilience, resilience, so that he can become one of those Hebrews 11 heroes of the faith. He's not ready for it yet. And, and God's doing the same in your life and in mine. There are tests along the way. And if you and I don't pass these tests, these, these tests that God has given us, um, he's not done working on our character. And, and I would just encourage you guys, God's working on mine all the time. Uh, just let him have his way. Let him. You know, the sooner you let them have your way, the sooner you don't have to take the test again. Believe me, you want to let them have your way. Um, David's in this scene right here and in 2 Samuel 16. He's walking through this valley, this really steep canyon down in this valley. And there's a guy named Shammai and his, he's up top and he doesn't like David. He doesn't like what David stands for. And he is on top of this canyon, up on the ridge up top, and he's yelling curses at David. He's cursing out the king at the top of his lungs. And David's down there walking with his soldiers. And they're like, who is this guy? And then he starts pelting them with rocks. This guy's way up there with the safety of all that height. And he's taking rocks and dirt and he's throwing them down. He's hitting David. He's throwing rocks at all these people and he's cursing at David. And the soldiers are like, David, we can't let this guy do that. You're the king. No one gets away with that. They're like, David, just, just wink at us. Just give us a thumbs up. Give us anything. And we're just going to handle this guy and take him out. 
And this guy's cursing and throwing everything down. And David has this opportunity to rise up in pride. And I think some chapters earlier, he probably would have. But God has gotten a hold of his heart. God has humbled him in some pretty profound ways. His character is changing. God is changing his character. He's learning resilience. And because he's learning resilience, he tells his fellow soldiers, nope, just leave him alone. Essentially, God is in this. God will deal with it. Let's just keep our head down and keep walking. They're like, wait, you're the king. No one talks to you that way. No one treats you that way. He's still cursing and throwing stones. Like David's like, guys, no, forget it. Just keep walking. And you're like, wow. See, when you're slaying giants over here, I don't think you're qualified yet. You have to go through these valley experiences of how you handle hurt. Amen? How you and I handle hurt. Because if we don't learn to respond when we're hurt, when we're, um, somebody's done wrong against us, said things, if we don't learn how to navigate that part of our character, we're not growing in the resilience and the faith that God's calling us to have. So resilience, if you want the short version of it, the resilience is your and my capacity to turn the other cheek. That's what resilience is. What is your capacity to turn the other cheek? Do you have the capacity to turn the other cheek? Because that's what resilience is all about. That's what David learned in that passage. I'm just going to turn the other cheek and keep on walking. Jesus modeled it beautifully. But as you and I are growing in Christ, it's not just growing in knowledge, it's growing in grace. Isn't that what the word says? To grow in grace and knowledge. If you and I are going to grow in grace, not just knowledge, part of our resiliency is learning how to turn the other cheek. What is your capacity? We need to know that weeping may come for the night, but rejoice cometh in the morning. I'm just turning the other cheek. I don't get it. I don't like it. But I'm not going to harden my heart because rejoice cometh in the morning. Romans 8, 28, which you know the scripture, and we know that all things, in all things, God works together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The sovereign God sees you. He sees where you're walking, what you're going through. He sees when you've been wronged. He sees when someone cuts you off. He sees when someone yells at you, when someone says something to you or does something to you that you didn't deserve, whether it's a boss on the job or somebody on the street or whatever it might be. He sees you. He sees you. And because he sees you, he's saying, look, I love you so much. I want to raise you up. But I can only raise you up if you humble yourself in my sight. I will raise you up. Part of the process, God would say, that I need to do in your heart is your, your capacity to turn the other cheek. And if you are willing to learn how to not react in the flesh, but act in the spirit. If you are willing to grow in your capacity to turn the other cheek, there is a resilience in you, in your character that's being developed. And God's like, I can use that profoundly and raise you up to greater and greater things. Everyone in the Hebrews 11 story of uh, God's hall of fame had profound resilience in their life. And we see their faith, but we forget about the resilience. The reason they have that faith is because they have resilience. And God is trying to grow us all in that level of resilience. This uh, passage moves along in verse 10. And it says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good 
they must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. There's some profound statements in this passage. In fact, there are some promises in this book of 1 Peter that really just jump out at me uh, where God is promising things uh, to his people. He's making promises to us, to us all. This passage now is talking about our area of resilience when it comes to tongue control, controlling the tongue. I got to tell you, there's a lot of people who really put a dent in their future because of this right here. Lip control, tongue control. This, this little organ, it's so, so small. It doesn't take hardly any muscle to move it. And sometimes it takes no time for it to react. But I'll tell you, these lips, this tongue is capable of so much. The Bible says the power of life and death are in the tongue. To bless or to curse. To encourage or to tear down. There is so much power in this tongue right here, in this mouth of ours. And God is trying to tell us right here, I want to grow you in your resilience, but this tongue control is monumentally important. It's so, so, so important. Uh, This is saying any speech that is evil, any speech that is evil. Now, this is something that a lot of people, you know, even in the faith think, well, I love God, but what I say and my opinions matter, so I'll just, I'll vent them and I'll share them and I'll, you know, but in so doing, oftentimes can be complaining or gossiping or slandering or tearing somebody down without even really thinking about it. And the Bible is saying, come on, guys, it's time to grow up and be a bigger Christian. It's time to be a, a man or woman of God, to be a disciple, a Christ follower, growing, growing in, in character and resilience and tongue control is so, so important. Through our lips, we can choose to either partner with things, partner with evil, or not partner with evil through our lips. There are things that come up, conversations in the room, maybe even our own thought, and we can instantaneously choose, it's our choice, no one made us do it, to begin to partner with evil, this is calling it evil speech, or not partner with it. If you struggle with this area of sin, because it is sin, and all of us struggle with areas of sin, finding out what your areas are and really saying, God, I want to work through these areas is really, really important for all of us. But I would say if this is an area, I I encourage you to read James. James has a lot to say in the Bible specifically about our tongues, our lips, controlling them um, and and, and the struggle that some have a a profound struggle. But, But all of us need to guard our words and watch our lips because we can either partner with evil or not partner with evil. And the Bible is telling us right here, if we do, listen to this, if we control our lips, this is a promise from God, we will see good days. Now, how many of you guys want to see good days ahead? I mean, good days, like your future blows away your past, right? Like good days coming. Okay. The Bible is making a promise that if you and I can work on tongue control, lip control, mouth control, if you and I will work on that and consecrate that, meaning I'm not going to let evil stuff come out. I'm going to be quick to listen and slow to speak, right? Isn't that what the word says? Be quick to listen and slow to speak. If we're able to guard our words, then we're not partnering with evil, or we can just 
fly off the hook, whatever we feel comes out, and whether we know it or not, we're partnering with evil. This is what the word is telling us right here. The Bible is using the words, talking to believers, talking to the church. He is saying, keep your tongue from evil. So all of us can either partner with evil or not, but the Bible is promising that if we keep our tongues from evil, we will see good days. Now that is a radical promise of God, and I think that's amazing. There are some blessings that come from God that you kind of go, God, if you have blessings for me, I want them. Do you guys want the blessings of God? Like if God has extra blessings for you, extra ones that we don't deserve, but he has them. How many of you guys want those blessings? I do. I want all of them. God, if you have blessings, I want them. And God says, I would be happy to give those to you. But there's certain blessings. I want you to walk like this and then I will do that. It's amazing. Salvation is a free gift. Saved by, by grace through faith. It's a free gift. Can't earn it, can't buy it, can't add to it. It's a free gift. But the blessings of God, God lays out all sorts of things in his, in his word. If you do this, there's a blessing. If you do this, there's a blessing. He lays them out all over the place. And if we were wise, we would look at his word like these little golden nuggets and go, wow, we're gonna have good days, get to see good days. Yeah, watch your tongue. Control your tongue, your words. There's good days ahead. James 1.6, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Because we say we believe, but our mouth, does that make sense? Our mouth is just going, but we say we believe. That's a pretty strong statement from James right there. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. In other words, when we're saying things in a room, make sure we're not tearing anyone down. That's unwholesome talk. Make sure we're either building up or we're being silent on it. Because if we're tearing down, that's unwholesome. This is what it's talking about, that we will see uh, good days. And so... um, The other thing this passage tells us, and this is really amazing, that if we are living right before God, no one's perfect, no, not one, Jesus, but we can choose to try to live right before God, right? We can can not have a sloppy walk. We can try to walk with Jesus, like literally get up and say, God, I want to be a Christ follower today. I want to walk close to you. I want to honor you. We choose to live our life this way. Another promise the Bible is making right here in this passage in verse 12 is that not only will we see good days, but that God is, you might want to underline this in your Bible, God is attentive, attentive to our prayers. This is huge, you guys. How many times have you prayed something over and over again and honestly asked, is God hearing this prayer, right? And you wonder, I mean, God knows everything. He sees everything. He's probably hearing the prayer, but you're like, God, you're hearing it, but are you really hearing my prayer? You guys know what I mean? Things you've really cried out about. You're hearing it, God, but are you really hearing it? We know God's answers are yes. Sometimes they're no. Sometimes they're slow. God might say slow is your answer. Hold on. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. However, there is something to you and I, the way we live before God, the way we walk before God, guarding our lips, trying to walk right, not perfect, but trying to walk right before the Lord according to the word and the spirit, if we do, 
aim this way, if we try to live this way, if we try to live this life that's a God-honoring life very intentionally, this passage is saying that God will be attentive to our prayers. Guys, I hate to break it to you, but what this means is that if we're living, trying to aim better and walk closer to Jesus, it's almost like all the apostles in the line walking with Jesus. If you try to get up front and be with Jesus and stay with him, he's attentive and hears the prayers. If we're way at the back, just kicking it, and not really involved, not proactively walking, kind of meandering around, the Bible is saying, I don't know how attentive the responses to those prayers will be. This is talking about attentive to our prayers. We can't expect God to not bless obedience. God blesses obedience. He rewards this sort of stuff. And it's talking about being attentive to our prayers. The Bible says, availeth much are the prayers of the righteous. That means you try to walk right before God and you try to walk with Jesus and the prayers have more power. That's what this is saying right here. So he's attentive to our prayers. In fact, in the last chapter we looked at last week, he was talking about husbands who are not living right. And if husbands are not living right, their their prayers will be hindered. Hindered. I like the the picture there of hindered is, is like blocked or deflected, like trying to make that three-point jump shot, go up, bang, deflected. Or in football, ready to win the game, that extra point, you need that extra point. They place kick, he gets up there, do that kick, wham, go to kick it, boom, deflected. Oh no, the Bible is saying the difference is if we're living right before God, prayers are not hindered. Does this make sense? And if we're not living right before God, God's like, oh, I love you so much. I love you so much, but no, I can't, I can't do that for you right now because your, your words are here, but your, your heart is far from me right now. I love you, but I just can't, like a, like a parent with a child when they're disobedient and they're living reckless, you can't just keep handing them an iPhone or something. You can't just give them what they want. God's like, no, I love you too much for that. And same with us, our prayers, he'll either be attentive to them or our prayers can be hindered, and our tongue has a whole lot to do with that. So the third point this morning, if you are a note taker on this, resilient life, engaging resilience, is controlling our tongues leads to powerful prayers and good days ahead. Powerful prayers and good days ahead. The passage just promises us, God promises us, good days are ahead if you control your tongue, and your prayers They're going to be attentive prayers. God's going to be attentive to these prayers. There's going to be breakthrough in your prayer. You remember when Job, Job was living right before God and the devil tried to wreck his life and God only gave uh, the devil certain permissions, limited permissions, but he had permissions. At the end of Job's life, he had all his friends around him trying to counsel him, but they were giving him all the wrong counsel. God shows up on the scene to his friends. God was very upset with Job's friends because Job's friends were saying the wrong things about God. They weren't true. Job was saying the right things about God, but his friends were saying all the wrong things about God. And when God showed up on the scene, he told Job's friends, first he said, stop and be quiet, don't say another word. And then when he was done, God said to Job's friends, you better have Job pray for you. You better ask Job to pray for you right now. Now, why did he say that? 
Because availeth much are the prayers of the righteous. Job was living right before God. And because he was living right before God, his prayers had power. There's power to that kind of prayer. So, you know, we continue to pray, but, but, but we don't want to make excuse for what has been referred to as sloppy agape, sloppy Christian walks. We don't want a sloppy faith. We don't want to abuse our graces. We want to really try to walk with Jesus. And when we do, our prayers have more, more power. So this moves on. How are we doing on time, Scott? It is? Okay, I'm going to br- briefly wrap this up. Um, it moves on in verse 12. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give a reason to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Um, I just want to stop right there to respect for time, but this passage tells us that Jesus suffered, turned the other cheek, and modeled for you and I what we should do when we are harmed. Jesus could have, on the spot, called down a legion of angels. He turned the other cheek, and he knew he was doing God's will, and he knew there was a blessing in this, that you and I are only here today because of what Jesus did for us back then. That is monumentally important, and it shows us how the resilience of Jesus following the Father's will and, and, and laying his life down in humility turned out to be this amazing amazing blessing. But if you and I suffer for doing good, God will see it and God will bless you. And if we handle harm in a godly way, God sees it and he will reward you. So the last point this morning is this as the worship team comes up. The fourth point is your reaction to harm. Your reaction to harm, my reaction to harm is the key to your resilience. It's the key to your resilience. The way you and I respond to harm is the key to our resilience, how we keep moving forward with God. Why? Because some people get harmed and get very upset and their heart begins to get hardened. The heart begins to petrify. And they don't move forward in the graces of God and the calling of God because somebody wronged them or somebody said something or somebody hurt them and they pull over and their heart begins to get calloused. It was Charles Spurgeon who said to be successful in ministry, referring to this type of resilience that we're talking about this morning, you have to keep a heart of flesh. And the only way you can have a heart of flesh is to have a hide like a rhino. A heart of flesh and a hide like a rhino. In other words, certain things, you let it roll right off your back and you can keep your heart nice and fresh. Does that make sense? But if you don't, what will happen is this heart of ours will begin to get calloused and there is no more resilience in our life. There's no more flexibility in our life. And when there's no flexibility and there's no resilience in there, the Spirit of God cannot move in our life because He wants to have His way and we need to be able to move and and have our way with Him and in Him. So your reaction to harm is the key to your resilience. Guys, there are going to be things coming up. 
this week, next month, a year from now, you've already been through things that have hurt you, that have set you back. You've already endured things that you don't, you don't think you deserved or things that should not have happened to you. I want to encourage you this morning, let's go before God and ask God to resolve some things in these hearts of ours so that we can move forward with a level of resilience as overcomers, as more than conquerors, so that we can be just like those heroes of the faith in chapter 11 say, I'm going to move forward and I'm not going to get knocked off track and I'm not going to let that stuff, I'm going to handle harm differently, God. I'm going to move forward with you because God is in your corner saying, come on, get up. If I'm for you, who can be against you? You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. I saw what you went through. Yes, it hurt. I get it, but I love you and I'm developing character. And if you let me, I will use what you've been through and what the enemy meant for harm, I will use it for good if you let me and work with you. And some say, no, it hurts. I'm pulling over. I'm not going anywhere. And then the next person goes, yes, it hurt, but you're bigger than the hurt, God. I'm moving forward with you. And it is those are the ones who will be in the heroes of faith. You'll be in the hall of fame with God in the sense that you let God work these things out in your life for his good and his glory. And that's what he wants. So let's just close in prayer right now. Ask God to seal some of these things. Mighty God, we love you. We love your word. We love the power of it. God, we just want to pray this morning that you would uh, help us in this area of resilience, that you would help us break through things that hold us back, things that hinder, things that harden hearts, God, that we would be people that are overcomers. We are, are more than conquerors in your eyes. I pray we would live that way. And I just want to pray, anybody in the room right now who has an area of of hurt that is, uh, it was like a chip or a ding or a bruise on your heart in your spiritual formation, in in, in the formation of your soul, uh, in part of your testimony, and it it hurts. And it's not good. And you wish it wasn't there. We're going to ask God to do some work this morning. So if that's you, you want to just stand up uh, and put your hands before the Lord, just symbolically of whatever hurt you have in your in, in your life or pain or anything you want him to resolve this morning. I believe God's gonna do some surgery in this room, in our hearts. And just stand up and just put that before the Lord. He knows what's on your heart. Just put it in your hands and say, mighty God, I give you this wound, this hurt, any wrong that was done to me, God, said to me, circumstance that I didn't deserve, I didn't ask for, I didn't want it, God. And Lord, I'll admit, it's held me back. It has hindered me. I haven't been very resilient in this area, God. It's hard to move forward in faith with this kind of stuff and experience that I didn't sign up for. But Lord, today I I realize something. I realize you do want to work all things together for the good. That's what you want. That's your heart. And I just want to pray this morning that you will take this experience. You'll build character in me. Develop resilience in me that I would keep no record of the wrong. I would learn how to turn the other cheek and I would trust that you got this, that you're in my corner yelling, get up, get up, walk with me, get up. You got this. You can win this. God, I just pray you would take these things, that you would bring resolve in our heart, that you'd bring healing, that you would bind up broken hearts and that you'd restore any years that the locusts have eaten away, that there would be no more being held back or quenched. 
We wouldn't be dragging things behind us because there's a new level of resilience in our life that you're establishing today. And we just thank you for it, mighty God. We thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.